Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. And it's another one of those days that the Lord has made. Yes. So guess what? It's time to be joyful and... Make a joyful noise. Make a joyful <laughs> noise. It is another day alive. It is. And, and that alone is worth celebrating. And we are so glad that you're here on this little journey through the message with us. We are inside of a nice warm house today. Thankfully, thank you, Lord, for heat. Thank you, Lord, for a house. Yes. And thank you, Lord, for a hot cup of coffee. Yes. Thank you, God, for taking such good care of us all the time. I hope wherever you are, all is well. I hope you're safely in your homes. We had quite a turn of weather yesterday. Yesterday morning when we left the house, the roads were clear. We saw grass. Well, it was great. Yeah. And then literally within a few hours, bum, it bum, changed bum. big time. <laughs> it and was, we, it was hard going uh, on the roads. The in drive Grand home was yeah. exceedingly long, but we took made us it about safely. an hour and 40 minutes to get home. Yes. And typically it's about what, 50 <laughs> 45 to 55 minutes? Yeah. And yeah. It did take extra time, but it was. It was just kind of that wet rain with like sleety, it was, it was icky. And here we are with the Bible. And yes. there has been a lot of action happening in the last few days. I'm actually going to switch up a little bit. I don't know why I felt led to read Psalms today, but Heidi's going to be taking care of the New Testament and mm -hmm. I'll be jumping in in the Old Testament. That's right. I can guarantee you he's not going to cry during Psalms. So you don't have to have your squares ready or But I or will guess. definitely try to make you cry during Psalms. It does happen Psalms. sometimes during <laughs> Psalms, I've heard. So. so Father God, just be inside of us while we read through your word today and allow emotion to come out when it mm -hmm. needs to. You put that there for a reason. We have emotions and thoughts and feelings yes. and experiences, and you put those in our life for a reason. So when we need to feel those emotions of you drawing near to us or you rescuing, let us feel those words and really internalize them, how you're a good God and you care for us. So I ask this all in your holy name, I pray. Amen. Amen. There's never any shame in some Jesus tears. There is never shame. In, <laughs> and you do plenty of that at church. Oh, yes, I do. If we sit down in a bench that does not have Kleenexes in it, we have to move to another seat. Oh, it happens. It's just... It and does it's, happen. It's never a sad thing. Those are not sad tears. I am just moved with just joy and gratitude mm. for a God who saw me he never had his eyes off for me, never saw me as worthless, never saw me as unworthy of his love. And in fact, just the opposite. My God has been waiting for me to run back to him. And I'm patiently so thankful to be back there. He's always patient. Yes. And he had no laundry list waiting, but you did this and this and this and this and this. All he said is, child, I am so glad to have you back home. I don't think there's ever a point where he wants to rub our nose and our never. sin. He's not I don't that feel kind of that. God. And when he looks at us, he looks at us through what his son did for us. Mm. It's humans that look at fellow humans and put all those labels on. God doesn't see us that way. Yeah. 
he literally looks at you and sees a beloved, precious, loved, mm. sinless child of his because his son covered it. That's love. It. That is some love. As always, we're going to have the text that we're reading out of listed down below in the comments if you want to follow along in your favorite translation or just let us do the job of reading and we'll take care of that for you. Okay. So Heidi's going to be starting out here with New Testament and uh, Matthew and then Acts. So That's right. Matthew 13, I'm starting at verse 24. He told another story. God's kingdom is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. That night, while his hired men were asleep, his enemies sowed thistles all through the wheat and slipped away before dawn. When the first green shoots appeared and the grain began to form, the thistles showed up too. The farmhands came to the farmer and said, Master, that was clean seed you planted, wasn't it? Where did these thistles come from? He answered, some enemy did this. The farmhands asked, should we weed out the thistles? He said, no, if you weed the thistles, you'll pull up the wheat too. Let them grow together until harvest time. Then I'll instruct the harvesters to pull up the thistles and tie them in bundles for the fire. Then gather the wheat and put it in the barn. Another story, God's kingdom is like an acorn that a farmer plants. It is quite small as seeds go, but in the course of years, it grows into a huge oak tree and eagles build nests in it. Another story. God's kingdom is like yeast that a woman works into the dough for dozens of loaves of barley bread and waits while the dough rises. All Jesus did that day was tell stories, a long storytelling afternoon. His storytelling fulfilled the prophecy. I will open my mouth and tell stories. I will bring out into the open things hidden since the world's first day. How great would it be to sit and listen to Jesus just mm. telling stories all day? <laughs> Jesus dismissed the congregation and went into the house. His disciples came in and said, Explain to us that story of the thistles in the field. So he explained, the farmer who sows the pure seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The pure seeds are subjects of the kingdom. The thistles are subjects of the devil. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, the curtain of history. The harvest hands are angels. The picture of thistles pulled up and burned is a scene from the final act. The Son of Man will send his angels, weed out the thistles from his kingdom, pitch them in the trash, and be done with them. They are going to complain to high heaven, but nobody is going to listen. At the same time, ripe, holy lives will mature and adorn the kingdom of their Father. Are you listening to this? really listening? Oh, <laughs> Jesus is like, I need you to hear this and to understand. I mean, this is life and death. And I love how they weren't afraid to just go to him with some questions. Mm -hmm. Jesus is like that. Don't be afraid if you're questioning something, don't be afraid to go to him with that. Absolutely. God is not angered by your questions. He's not upset when we don't understand. He's not gonna get mad if we get it wrong. He's a gentle and loving God. Yes. Don't be afraid to go to him. Yes. 
All right. Okay, now we're reading in Acts. Yeah, Acts sure. chapter 19, verse 1 through 22. All right, let's jump on into this. This is new reading for me. Now, it happened that while Apollos was away in Corinth, Paul made his way down through the mountains, came to Ephesus, and happened on some disciples there. The first thing he said was, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you take God into your mind only, or did you also embrace him with your heart? Did he get inside you? That reminds me of your prayer today, just praying that God would be inside of us during this reading. And here's that verse. I absolutely love that. Did he get inside That's you? That's right. We've never even heard of that. A Holy Spirit, God within us? How were you baptized then? Asked Paul. In John's baptism. That explains it, said Paul. John preached a baptism of radical life change so that people would be ready to receive the one coming after him who turned out to be Jesus. If you've been baptized in John's baptism, you're ready now for the real thing, for Jesus. Mm. And they were. As soon as they heard of it, they were baptized in the name of the master Jesus. Paul put his hands on their head and the Holy Spirit entered them. From that moment on, they were praising God in tongues and talking about God's actions. Altogether, there were about 12 people there that day. Paul then went straight to the meeting place. He had the run of the place for three months, doing his best to make the things of the kingdom of God real and convincing to them. But then resistance began to form as some of them began spreading evil rumors through the congregation about the Christian way of life. So Paul left, taking the disciples with him, and set up shop in the school of Tyrannus, holding class there daily. He did this for two years, giving everyone in the province of Asia, Jews as well as Greeks, ample opportunity to hear the message of the Master. God did powerful things through Paul, things quite out of the ordinary. The word got around and people started taking pieces of clothing, handkerchiefs and scarves and the like, that had touched Paul's skin and then touching the sick with them. The touch did it. They were healed and whole. Some itinerant Jewish exorcists who happened to be in town at the time tried their hand at what they assumed to be Paul's game. They pronounced the name of the master Jesus over victims of evil spirits, saying, I command you by the Jesus preached by Paul. The seven sons of a certain Siva, a Jewish high priest, were trying to do this on a man when the evil spirit talked back. I know Jesus, and I've heard of Paul, but who are you? Then the possessed man went berserk jumped the exorcists, beat them up, and tore off their clothes. Naked and bloody, they got away as best they could. It was soon news all over Ephesus, among both Jews and Greeks. The realization spread that God was in and behind this. Curiosity about Paul developed into reverence for the Master Jesus. Many of those who thus believed stepped out into the light and made a clean break with their secret sorceries. All kinds of witches and warlocks came out of the woodwork with their books of spells and incantations, 
and made a huge bonfire of them. Someone estimated their worth at 50,000 silver coins. In such ways, it became evident that the word of the master was now sovereign and prevailed in Ephesus. After all this had reached its peak, Paul decided it was time to move on to Macedonia and Achaia provinces, and from there to Jerusalem. Then, he said, I'm off to Rome. I've got to see Rome. He sent two of his assistants, Timothy and Erastus, on to Macedonia and then stayed for a while and wrapped things up in Asia. Hmm. I do have a little pause here. Oh, good. In regards to the first few verses of this chapter. And it says, The term Holy Spirit was the church's way of talking about the life-giving presence of God in people. The word for spirit in Greek means wind or breath. Breath was the sign of life in a person. So when the Holy Spirit comes into us, we're filled with new life. And that life spills out over everything. That's what was happening in this text. New life was springing up all over the place. People were alive in ways that they had never been before. And they were irresponsible in talking about it. Reading and talking about this fills me with encouragement and excitement. This is us. We are in the same situation. We are all candidates for receiving the same Holy Spirit. And the same thing will happen to us, this new life, this new and overflowing life. Amen. <laughs> I am literally going to plead with you. If you have not been baptized, please get baptized. You do not have to be the perfect Christian before you can be baptized. You know that you love Jesus. Get in that water, be baptized, but follow it up with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I know it's not the mainstream norm in a lot of our more conservative type churches. I chose to do that after my baptism and I need you to know that it is truly life-changing. Just wholeheartedly with all your mind, your soul, and your heart, saying, I want to be filled with the Spirit of God and having people of God laying their hands on you and praying over you to receive it is a powerful and beautiful thing. And I promise you, it, it will change your life. I was baptized when I was in prison it was the first year that I was there. And I remember we didn't get a chance to really go and, um, you know, do church a lot. I mean, it was very, very infrequently. It wasn't like an every Sunday we're all lining up kind of thing. It was, I think I had the opportunity in that first year to maybe go to church twice. Oh, that little. That little. And That's so, so sad to me. So one of the times, though, it was the second time they said, uh, hey, we're you know, getting ready to line up for church. And so I was kind of scrambling to get ready. I got ready and I get down there and they're like, yeah, we're doing baptisms. And it was so beautiful because there was probably a line of 16 guys oh, I that were it. all getting baptized. And, you know, we're in prison. So, and mm -hmm. we're getting dunked, like you're getting wet. So here are all of us guys. We're down to our boxers. <laughs> and we're just lined up, ready to, to go in. 
And I remember coming out of the water and I, I had been mm-hmm. baptized as an infant, but this to me was now a, it was an outward expression of what I felt was the beginning of an inward change. Yes. And things still weren't great in my life after baptism. I ended up going to the hole and I'd, you know, messed around in prison and got in trouble. And, but last weekend, so this is now, uh, what, 11 years, 12 years later? Last weekend was the first time that I had specifically asked to be prayed over for the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the baptism of that. And uh, it was a beautiful thing. Our church was alive. It was electric. And oh. I just remember feeling after I was up front and we were sitting there praying, I just remember feeling I have business to do with God. And I'm going to get prayed for right now. I'm like emotional hearing you talk it, about this. Uh, it was an absolutely amazing experience. And I feel that I have a different clarity of purpose. And just a renewed fire you look different so there is something happens to a person when natural fears and worries and cares Mm. and all of those things that we carry along through life that's normal part of life there's something that happens when you are filled with the spirit and there is a contentment and a security in knowing god loves me he has a plan for me and everything is going to work out for us if we're saying yes to his plan you have a peaceful look to you it's like it softens people because they're handing over their need to control or be in charge or to steer the ship so to speak i still got some rough areas so it oh and doing <laughs> baptism and that doesn't mean you're going to suddenly yeah, be perfect i know it just means that you're a child of god yes. you're a work in progress and amen let god take care of it and so now everybody's favorite part I we are rewinding back to the old testament and i'll be finishing up here with psalms and Exodus. Yay! I can't wait to hear this. So, Psalms chapter 31. I run to you, God. I run for dear life. Don't let me down. Take me seriously this time. Get down on my level and listen, and please, no procrastination. Your granite cave, a hiding place. Your high cliff nest, a place of safety. You're my cave to hide in, my cliff to climb. Be my safe leader and be my true mountain guide. Free me from hidden traps. I want to hide in you. I put my life in your hands. You won't drop me. You'll never let me down. I hate all of this silly religion, but you, God, I trust. Amen. I am leaping and singing in the circle of your love. You saw my pain. You disarmed my tormentors. You didn't leave me in their clutches, but you gave me room to breathe. Be kind to me, God. I am in deep, deep trouble again. I've cried my eyes out and I feel hollow inside. My life leaks away, groan by groan. My years fade out in size. My troubles have worn me out, turned my bones to powder. To my enemies, I'm a monster. I'm ridiculed by the neighbors. 
My friends are horrified. They cross the street to avoid me. They want to blot me from memory, forget me like a corpse in a grave, discard me like a broken dish in the trash. The street talk gossip has me criminally insane. Behind locked doors, they plot how to ruin me for good. Desperate, I throw myself on you. You are my God. Hour by hour, I place my days in your hand, safe from the hands that are out to get me. Warm me, your servant, with a smile. Save me because you love me. Don't embarrass me by not showing up. I've given you plenty of notice. Embarrass the wicked. Stand them up. Leave them stupidly shaking their heads as they drift down to hell. Gag those loudmouthed liars who heckle me, your follower, with jeers and catcalls. What a stack of blessing you have piled up for those who worship you. Ready and waiting for all who run to you to escape an unkind world. You hide them safely away from the opposition. As you slam the door on those oily, mocking faces, you silence the poisonous gossip. Blessed God. His love is the wonder of the world. Trapped by a siege, I panicked. Out of sight, out of mind, I said. But you heard me say it. You heard and listened. Love God, all you saints. God takes care of all who stay close to Him. But He pays back in full those arrogant enough to go it alone. Be brave. Be strong. Don't give up and expect God to get here soon. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of chapter 31. Oh, it's a good thing <laughs> you read that one today. Would have taken me a bit. So I love, though, I immediately when you started reading, mm-hmm. I run to you, God. I run for dear life. And it just immediately made me think of you coming out of prison and you had started running. And then you poured yourself into running. And Hmm. I think for you, it was a part of what kept you on the right path. And I just felt that, yes, I'm so glad that he read this It was enough of a positive outlet for a lot of my energy. Mm -hmm. And it also allowed me to create a community of people that... Keeps you accountable. Kept me accountable. I was able to share my story with some people had some good running friends. I mean, I've had friends show up to run with me at six, seven o'clock in the morning on a Friday. Sometimes like I was running out by my house and they would just come and we would have what was called a fly the flag Friday. And we would just go out and running in in the community at 7 a.m. on a Friday. I love Um, it. It was kind of your running to God. God It was was running to God. God was bringing you fully back to him glad you made it back home. I'm glad I made it back home too. Yeah, the other options weren't nearly as good. And now I'll be finishing out the day with Exodus chapter 21 through 23. So thanks again for joining along. These are the laws that you are to place before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he will serve six years. The seventh year, he goes free for nothing. If he came in single, he leaves single. If he came in married, he leaves with his wife. 
If the master gives him a wife and she gave him sons and daughters, the wife and children stay with the master and he leaves by himself. But suppose the slave should say, I love my master and my wife and children. I don't want my freedom. Then his master is to bring him before God and to, and to a door or doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl, a sign that he is a slave for life. That doesn't sound like it feels so good. I was told, I remember early, early, oh, early oh. on, I was probably in early part of high school and we were talking about getting our ears pierced, you know, like some buddies of mine, uh, yeah, we want to get our ear pierced and did it with a potato or whatever. But like, I remember somebody saying mm -hmm. to me like, oh, well, the whole ear piercing thing, like that just means you're a slave. Like, why would you want to do that? <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh man. But did you use an all? I think it's only if you use an all, then you're know. a slave. So when a man sells his daughter to be a handmaid, she doesn't go free after six years like the men. If she doesn't please her master, her family must buy her back. Ugh. Her master doesn't have the right to sell her to a foreigner since he broke his word to her. If he turns her over to his son, he has to treat her like a daughter. If he marries another woman, she retains all her full rights to meals, clothing, and marital relations. If he won't do any of these three things for her, she goes free for nothing. If, oh, now it's making more mm -hmm, sense. It yes. sounds so bad, but you have to stop and think yes. in the context of culture. This is actually giving some rights back to her. I know that the giving in marriage or yes. whatever it may be sounds terrible, but there are expectations that she will be taken care of and provided for, and they were laws. It yes. wasn't optional. If someone hits another and death results, the penalty is death. But if there was no intent to kill, if it was an accident, an act of God, I'll set aside a place to which the killer can flee for refuge. But if the murder was premeditated, cunningly plotted, then drag the killer away, even if it's from my altar, to be put to death. If someone hits his father or mother, the penalty is death. If someone kidnaps a person, the penalty is death, regardless of whether that person has been sold or is still held in possession. If someone curses father or mother, the penalty is death. If a quarrel breaks out and one hits the other with a rock or a fist and the injured one doesn't die but is confined to bed and then later gets better and then can go on about on a crutch, the one who hit him is in the clear, except to pay for the loss of time and make sure of complete recovery. If a slave owner hits a slave, male or female, with a stick and then the slave dies on the spot, the slave must be avenged. But if the slave survives a day or two, he's not to be avenged. The slave is the owner's property. <laughs> Another one of those great... Did the Bible just say that? But did you die? <laughs> Is it really that bad? When there's a fight, and in the fight a pregnant woman is hit so that she miscarries but is not otherwise hurt, the one responsible has to pay whatever the husband demands in compensation. But if there is further damage, then you must give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, 
and bruise for bruise. I think just keep your hands to yourself. Yeah. If a slave owner hits the eye of a slave or handmaid and ruins it, the owner must let the slave go free because of the eye. If the owner knocks out the tooth of a male or female slave, the slave must be released and go free because of the tooth. Oh. If an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox must be stoned. The meat cannot be Ooh. eaten, but the owner of the ox is in the clear. But if the ox has a history of goring and the owner knew it and then did nothing to guard against it, then if the ox kills a man or woman, the ox is to be stoned and the owner given the death penalty. If a ransom is agreed upon instead of death, he must pay it in full as a redemption for his life. If a son or daughter is gored, the same judgment holds. If it is a slave or a handmaid the ox gores, 30 shekels of silver is to be paid to the owner and the ox stoned. If someone uncovers a cistern or digs a pit and leaves it open and an ox or donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit must pay whatever the animal is worth to its owner, but can keep the dead animal. If someone's ox injures a neighbor's ox and the ox dies, they must sell the live ox and split the price. They must also split the dead animal. But if the ox had a history of goring and the owner knew it and then did nothing to guard against it, the owner must pay an ox for an ox, but can keep the dead animal. If someone steals an ox or a lamb and slaughters it or sells it, the thief must pay five cattle in place of the ox and four sheep in place of the lamb. If the thief is caught while breaking in and is hit hard and dies, there is no blood guilt. But if it happens after daybreak, there is blood guilt. So I think that had to... Because it's light outside and you you would know who it yes, is? Okay. Yes, because if you can see them and mm. testify as to who they are, um, it's the people that come in the dead of night to deceive and Got stealth it. and that. A thief must make full restitution for what is stolen. The thief who is unable to pay is to be sold for his thieving. If caught red-handed with the stolen goods and the ox or donkey or lamb is still alive, the thief pays double. If someone grazes livestock in a field or vineyard, but then lets them loose so that they graze in someone else's field, restitution must be made from the best of the owner's field or vineyard. If fire breaks out and spreads to the brush so that the sheaves of grain or the standing grain or even the whole field is burned up, whoever started the fire must pay for the damages. If someone gives a neighbor money or things for safekeeping and they are stolen from the neighbor's house, the thief, if caught, must pay back double. If the thief is not caught, the owner must be brought before God to determine whether the owner was the one who took the neighbor's goods. In all cases of stolen goods, whether oxen, donkeys, sheep, clothing, anything in fact missing of which someone says, that's mine, both parties must come before the judges. The one that the judges pronounce guilty must pay double to the other. If someone gives a donkey or ox or lamb or any kind of animal to another for safekeeping and it dies or is injured or lost and there is no witness, an oath before God must be made between them to decide whether one has laid hands on the property of the other. 
The owner must accept this and no damages are assessed. But if it turns out that it was stolen, the owner must be compensated. If it has been torn by wild beasts, the torn animal must be brought in as evidence. No damages have to be paid. If someone borrows an animal from a neighbor and it gets injured or dies while the owner is not present, he must pay for it. But if the owner was with it, he doesn't have to pay. If the animal was hired, the payment covers the loss. Do all our neighbors know that this is how things have to be here? So, you know, ugh, there's going to be there's a lot of rules and laws back here. Lots on this of stuff happening. <laughs> if a man seduces a virgin who is not engaged to be married and sleeps with her, he must pay the marriage price and marry her. If her father absolutely refuses to give her away, the man must still pay the marriage price for virgins. Don't let a sorceress live. Anyone who has sex with an animal gets the death penalty. And it's just gross. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just gross. Just don't Listen, don't do that. Yeah, whatever. Just don't do that. Anyone who sacrifices to a god other than God alone must be put to death. Don't abuse or take advantage of strangers. You, remember, were once strangers in Egypt. Don't mistreat widows or orphans. If you do and they cry out to me, you can be sure that I'll take them most seriously. I'll show my anger and come raging among you with the sword, and your wives will end up widows and your children orphans. If you lend money to my people, to any of the down and out among you, don't come down hard on them and gouge them with interest. If you take your neighbor's coat as security, give it back before nightfall. It may be your neighbor's only covering. What else does the person have to sleep in? And if I could hear the neighbor crying out from the cold, I'll step in. I'm compassionate. Don't curse God and don't damn your leaders. Don't be stingy as your wine vats fill up. Dedicate your firstborn sons to me. The same with your cattle and sheep. They are to stay for seven days with their mother and then give them to me. Be holy for my sake. Don't eat mutilated flesh that you find in the fields. Throw it to the dogs. Don't pass on malicious gossip. Don't link up with a wicked person and give corrupt testimony. Don't go along with the crowd and doing evil and don't mess up your testimony in a case just to please the crowd. And just because someone is poor, don't show favoritism in a dispute. If you find your enemy's ox or donkey loose, take it back to him. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you lying helpless under its load, don't walk off and leave it. Help it up. When there is a dispute concerning your poor, don't tamper with the justice due them. Stay clear of false accusations. Don't contribute to the death of innocent and good people. I don't let the wicked off of the hook. Don't take bribes. Bribes blind perfectly good eyes and twist the speech of good people. Don't take advantage of a stranger. You know what it's like to be a stranger. You were strangers in Egypt. Sow your land for six years and gather in its crops, but in the seventh year, leave it alone and give it a rest so that your poor may eat from it. What they leave, let the wildlife have. 
Do the same with your vineyard and your olive groves. Work for six days and rest the seventh so that your ox and donkey may rest and your servant and migrant workers may have time to get their needed rest. Listen carefully to everything I tell you. Don't pay attention to other gods. Don't so much as mention their names. Three times a year you are to hold a festival for me. Hold the spring festival of unraised bread when you eat unraised bread for seven days at the time set for the month of Abib, as I commanded you. That was the month that you came out of Egypt. No one should show up before me empty-handed. Hold the summer festival of harvest when you bring in the first fruits of all of your work in the fields. Hold the autumn festival of ingathering at the end of the season when you bring in the year's crops. Three times a year all your males are to appear before the master God. Don't offer the blood of a sacrifice to me with anything that still has yeast in it. Don't leave the fat from my festival offering out overnight. Bring the choice first produce of the year to the house of your God. Don't boil a kid in its mother's milk. Now get yourselves ready. I'm sending my angel ahead of you to guard you in your travels, to lead you to the place that I've prepared. Pay close attention to him. Obey him. Don't go against him. He won't put up with your rebellions because he's acting on my authority. But if you obey him and do everything I tell you, I'll be an enemy to your enemies. I'll fight those who fight you. When my angel goes ahead of you and leads you to the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, I'll clear the country of them. So don't worship or serve their gods. Don't do anything they do because I'm going to wipe them right off of the face of the earth and smash their sacred phallic pillars to bits. But you, you serve your God and he'll bless your food and your water. I'll get rid of the sickness among you. There won't be any miscarriages nor barren women in your land. I'll make sure that you live full and complete lives. I'll send my terror on ahead of you and throw those peoples you're approaching into a panic. All you'll see of your enemies is the backs of their necks. And I'll send despair on ahead of you. It will push the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites out of your way. I won't get rid of them all at once lest the land grow up in weeds and the wild animals take over. Little by little, I'll get them out of there while you'll have a chance to get your crops going and make the land your own. I will make your borders stretch from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the wilderness to the Euphrates River. I'm turning everyone living in that land over to you. Go ahead and drive them out. Don't make any deals with them or their gods. They are not to stay in the same country with you, lest they get you to sin by worshiping their gods. Beware. That is a huge danger. So many of these sound kind of foreign to us. It's, sure. it's not our culture and it's not how things Mm -hmm. are now but we've also had jesus come so that sure. has changed a lot but in the old testament all these laws and that they were there for very specific reasons and there's different types of laws there's like moral and civil and sacrificial and all those different types and i know there are so many women that will point out the law about if a man rapes a virgin 
that she's to be given to him as a wife and he's to live with her all of his days or if the father refuses pay that and so many women can read that and i know on the surface that sounds so awful like a victim of a rape being given to the abuser to have to live with as a wife that actually is a powerful change that is not the cultural norm women were raped all the time and what happened is they lost any quote-unquote value nobody would marry them they would never have a family they'd never have children right they were outcast i mean it was horrible the life that she then had to face by herself god said this is not happening if she is taken advantage of and assaulted by a man he must take full responsibility for her so she never has to worry about her well-being ever again this was and, really setting them apart yes it Total was a different drastic behavior. change and her father could say absolutely not i'm not giving this man who attacked and raped my daughter to you to keep forever that man then has to pay all of that money to the family but it's for the care of this young girl and you have to realize marriage age was like 13. so we're talking these are young young girls like 10 11 12 13 14 years old that were being assaulted and raped and their life was just over it it was just the culture at that time so literally this does don't just go on the surface find out what that meant because that actually was a huge change and really set them apart because it gave women value and i love how god reminded them too to be kind to people that are strangers because you were strangers once too you know he's just Mm -hmm. throwing in that little gentle reminder absolutely uh, remember you were you know prisoners in that land and i delivered you absolutely and another thing that i love i'm an animal lover god himself demands that you treat animals kindly you treat them well you you do not have the right to abuse and be cruel to an animal god himself forbids it and as an animal lover i so appreciate that so maybe you you don't have to love an animal but don't go out of your way to be mean to them just please don't do that amen to that and on that note (laughs) (laughs) there's my psa for the day there's a oh my two little rescue dogs are waiting for some love no (laughs) And we are going to close on that note. And friends, we are so happy again just to have you along with us on this ride here on the journey through the message. Yes. And we look forward to seeing you next time. If you have any questions or comments, we don't claim to know it all, but we will do our best to engage with you and make sure if you do have a question, we'll do our best to try and find an answer to it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I have no shame in saying when I've gotten something wrong or was confused on something. And I really do love going back and looking up and finding the answer. It's how you get in the word. Amen. So friends, have a great rest of the day and we will see you next time on a journey through the message. Look forward to being back with you.